this is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, then mine is a saga And we'll ride it long enough if they let you This is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, then mine is a saga And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you Welcome to the first official real episode, because the last one was fake, of Brian K. Pod, the podcast on the internet, the capital letters podcast about comic book writer extraordinaire Brian K. Vaughn. We are covering every single issue of Saga, one episode of a time at a time, and in between graphic novel collections. So basically, we get through about six issues or so. We're going to take a little break and look at a trade paperback from Brian K. Vaughn. It is all things Vaughn all the time. This is Brian K. Pod. I am one of your hosts, Spencer. And I'm Logan. So I think we're going to try to do this weekly. That's the goal. My life is wild and uh, crazy, and Logan's schedule is... I would say wild and crazy as well. Um, and so we're going to try to keep it weekly, but we will always be coming back. Um, and who knows how detailed we're going to get. I've watched a bunch of YouTube interviews with Brian K. Vaughn that came out like right before Saga started. I so, love that you're doing like I'm not going to do anything except read stuff and you're just doing all the other legwork. <laughs> I really I really want to. I really want to bring those things to the table. And so I feel like the further what I learned in my initial very vague research like i didn't go deep deep but in my initial research is that a lot of the early stuff he's really you know smartly close to the the chest about uh, or the vest about what uh saga is and what it's going to be so a lot of the stuff i've read is about um you could almost call it like saga theory <laughs> like he's like generally talking about it and it's really interesting but um not a lot of deep stuff and because i have not read um saga to, uh, to i'm not up to date i didn't want to spoil myself not that i'm very spoiler averse i just want i kind of like that you bring the knowledge to this podcast because you've read it and i want to bring the experience as we read through it um and so i didn't read some of the interviews that seem very substantial but they're from like one year into saga things like that um and so um so anyway um i don't really know exactly how we're going to do this other than to have a conversation um about saga and each issue we are starting with obviously issue number one there was no like zero issue or anything like that um and i'm reading i guess we'll start with um let's see how are we reading so how are you reading saga right now like do you have single issues graphic novels what are you what are you doing so I, I have <laughs> Saga has become the comic book version of Star Wars for me. Um, I don't have the single issues um, because the early issues are impossible. Like, I, I just can't afford that. And I'm as a collector, I'd be like, I have to have the, you know, the first print, whatever. So I have it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have it in trade paperback form somewhere. I have the uh, hardcover, like the oversized, nice hardcover versions. Yep. And then I have it, I have it digitally in trade form, okay. and digitally in single issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're talking about the book that's got, it's like the blue book, and it's got, um, like. The uh, the breastfeeding on the mm-hmm. front cover. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's what I'm reading as well. That's what I'm reading from. 
Um, so I've got those. And so that's what I will be uh, exclusively reading from because I paid for them and I feel like I need to finally like go through them because I have all I'm of them. I'm so the opposite. I feel like I paid for those. I don't touch those because something might damage them. So I'm just reading digitally. <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. I mean, I get it. I, d- I definitely have that with like my comics themselves, my single issues, but the trades, like that's why I get the hardback. So I feel like I can crack them open. Yeah. Like I like the feel, I like the sound. Um, those so, are, they are not, they're so nice. They really are. The image books that are this large are just really cool. Like I just want more of them and I don't know if there are enough image books I'm that interested in shelling out the money for at the moment. Um, but they just look so nice on the shelf, which is, you know, the curse of any collector. It just looks nice on a shelf. <laughs> and there's something about that slightly oversized that makes the work feel lo- like larger anyway and I, it just pops more like it, it does make me realize why back in the like late 60s 70s there was so much like m- magazine style comic book work because it just it looks so much better no i totally agree it's sort of like the uh the imax uh, ratio opening up on a home dvd yep and you're like oh wow this just went full screen <laughs> but full screen's good in this case so um so yeah so that's what i'm reading from that's what you're reading from um the issue is the introductory issue to the whole saga as it were and we'll go through that in a moment um this is the thing that from listening to i think i listened to like 10 interviews on youtube uh sort of podcast style um playing them and listening at the same time um The thing that I took away more than anything else uh, that he says um, about the concept of Saga was he was coming off of other um, successes and things like Why the Last Man. And he really his goal with Saga was uh, or is to live up to the meaning of the word Saga. He he talks about it going for a long time. Um, He talks about it being a big, big sprawling story. Um, He talks about the goal of saying like we really wanted to do create a a whole universe and really get in and explore things um, and take time to do that. Um, And so your comparison to Star Wars and comics makes sense to me because I think I have very similar things. But honestly, from the scope of what he's talking about, it seems more seems bigger than than even Star Wars because as uh, we're like watching Boba Fett right now a show I'm really enjoying but we talked about on a separate podcast is all Tatooine bound right which seems like makes it then feel smaller somehow right because you're not yep. going and so it seemed like the goal is to do the opposite to make a big um, sprawling story uh, make it go for many 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 issues and uh, in, uh, in the interview I saw he specifically referenced being much longer than why the last man um, which was that at 60 issues, 59, something like that? Uh, 60 sounds right. Okay. And so so somewhere in that ballpark, and, and he wants to specifically reference, we want to go much longer uh, and make a really big, sprawling saga. And so uh, I thought that was a really cool um, mission statement for a, a comic book and also very, like, assured he knows what he's doing at this point he's a very established uh creator um and people uh believe in him and buy into him and like i bought saga i have sagas issues one and two or i had saga issue one and i also have saga issue two and i didn't ever read them i bought them because they had his name on them and then moved on um i actually sold my one you know that story a few years ago which was now feels like a terrible mistake but at the time i needed to do it um and i knew then that it would now feel terrible um and it does because it was 
It was a really I kept because I, I never opened it. It was in perfect shape. Um, it was like you had it graded. Right? I was like a nine point six. I got a nine point six. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the people who uh, the comic book store when they looked at it, they were like the problem with these because it's like a white cover. The problem is it's like there's always something they find and you never get as high as you want. And then it came back a nine point six and they were like drooling all over it. And they were like, I will give you credit. We'll give you this. And I was like, I want X amount of dollars and I know I can get it on eBay tonight. And they went, Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> Yep. So, um, so anyway, um, but so he just, he says it's a guy that knows he can sell the book. Um, but the idea of still picking something that big, that big of a swing is pretty gutsy and pretty impressive in my uh, opinion. Um, but also I would trust of all the people that I follow that are names, the writers, I would trust Brian Cave on to deliver, um, and you've read ahead of me, and it feels like, and I've read some of the book, not the whole book, but I've read some of it, and it does feel like he's accomplishing that. Very uh, much so. Like I, I don't want to, like I don't want to sound like I know everything about comics because I don't. But like as someone who has been reading comics for like thirty some odd years, I don't know that anybody's ever a, accomplished what he actually is accomplishing like comics in general are all just second acts like first few issues first act everything is second act because you don't ever want the story to end you know there's no end for spider-man or the x-men or whatever um and this is has an end and like but he's he's actually accomplishing it there are plenty of people set out to tell um those kinds of stories. Um, but I, I just don't know if anything's ever been done on this level of, uh, of being an actual saga, you know, and, and covering so much ground. I mean, it starts with the birth of a child and. Uh, that plumber's calling. No kidding. Hold on one second. <laughs> you right. keep talking, but if you want to, but hold on a second. And it goes, I, I feel like this is not a spoiler, but where it stopped at the halfway point was uh, this kid is uh, several years old. So in that first 50 some odd issues, we, we cover the first several years of this kid's life. And that it's just, it's crazy across many planets um deaths that i mean that would probably break george rr R. martin's heart um and it, Ooh, it's that's just, a tease yeah i mean so i guess i mean we're talking about the first issue so i spoilers for the first issue if you haven't read it but i mean the first and last lines of the issue are so much more important than you even think they are when you first read it. You know, the first line is, this is how, and it's, this is how an idea is born. Uh, oh, this is how, how, how an idea becomes real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then the last line, uh, I don't have it pulled up, but. Well, well, here it is. I'll read it to you because it's actually kind of a combo. The last line sort of a response to something before it. Um, but the, the, the last kind of two big lines are. Um, not much more, to be honest. It's not like I grow up to become some great war hero or any sort of all-important savior, but thanks to these two, I at least get to grow old. Then it's this full-page splash of 
Hazel, our, our, who I assume, or is definitely our narrator, let's call narrator at this time, Hazel the narrator, who's a baby in the arms of her parents. It's this beautiful full page splash, and above them it says, not everybody does. Which, when you first read it, like I remember reading the first issue and being like, oh, that's that's ominous, and that's, and as you read the first 55 issues, I'm not going to talk about any of that, obviously, but you think that line every time something happens, you think that line is like, oh, that that must be that that must be. And then you get to the break at what, 55, I think it was. And like <laughs> it going back and reading it now, it's even even more impactful. I've reread this series straight through like four times and every time <laughs> like that last line is just like a dagger in my heart man <laughs> so um but it it's not yeah it, it just it's so much um that i i didn't think you could do in comics really you know not not that you can't tell a beginning and end story i mean it's been done plenty he's done it plenty but just on this level um well, it, it's so it's so macro and micro like the opening is is the birth of Hazel and it's these two people and they're having a baby and they're obviously like they're in love and they're it's just very it's sweet and it's funny and there's all this humor. And then suddenly, um, literally with a bang, there's a there's a it's on page 11 of our, our trade. Um, but she they say, uh, you know, basically they're talking about how they ended up making Hazel the things that they like about each other. And then there's the sound noise bang, which is very funny because that's how they made Hazel. They banged. Um, and then. But then that's when now people are coming after them and then the world suddenly starts to zoom out and there's um, dudes with TVs for faces and a uh, little looks like the monkey from um, <laughs> from Wicked or from uh, Wizard of Oz. Um, and then there's like like sorcerer creatures and there's fighting and it just expands and expands. It goes off planet. There's a great it just and it just expands all of a sudden like we're very, very in these two people's lives, these three people's lives, the parents and their and their kid, and then it just goes so far out that we're now planet hopping within the first twenty pages. Like literally, page twenty one, we're looking at a map or a picture that is the whole galaxy that I, maybe this story takes place, and I don't know because I don't know if it goes beyond the galaxy, but it's like a galaxy. It's so crazy how granular, and then boom, it's so big. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's the kind of storytelling that. I feel like um, anybody, somebody like George Lucas would be so, so envious of because it's something he, I'm not going to say he failed at, but he tried a lot to do. And I don't know that he was ever as successful as this book seems to be. Now, two different mediums, of course, but still, like it, it just works the transitions work so so well that you get wrapped up so quickly in all of these things um you know you just said medium and it and it struck a, a memory from my my interviews and that you something you have said to me in the past talking about the series sort of advocating for it um is that one of the other goals was to really enjoy the benefits of the comic book medium um, and to uh, not 
make something that was easily translated to another medium. Um, that was like a, a specific goal that that what they set out with. Um, and it is nice because Vaughn often um, cites Fiona Staples, who does the art with him, as the co-creator. Like, and that's that's a you know, there's things like like people like Jack Kirby and there's all these people that the the reputation sort of somehow got separated in time, maybe because the writers were more popular or more are populist and were out talking to people about, they were constructing the narrative, right, of the history in a different way. And Vaughn is out there advocating for his artists, but saying like they both wanted, which I really love the team of this, like the element of the creation, but they wanted to create something specifically for the comic book medium that would be extremely difficult to make into an HBO show, basically. Yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> from from the get-go. Yeah. Like, not only... I mean, we used to live in a world where people were like, you can't put funny costumes on a movie screen. People won't buy that. Now we don't. But you definitely can't put naked dudes with TVs for heads on a big screen. People aren't going to go for that. Naked albino dudes. Yes. And, and with, with alligator butlers. Um <laughs> And then you have like dudes with bat wings who are like uh, just messengers for the and then like the, it's just it's just wild the stuff it, it's all it all works obviously on the page but it is the kind of thing that it's like it's so out there that I don't know I, I would eat my own words if someone did it successfully but I don't have a desire to see this any other way the art's beautiful the coloring's so beautiful I just nothing even, yeah even in animation I, I it's not something i would want to see i don't know that it could capture uh the uh, for lack of a better word the magic of what is actually on the page yeah no i, I completely agree I, I think that um there's some stuff like when um what is his name i'm trying to remember his name the guy with the lion cat the will when the will shows up um there's all this tonal stuff that comes with just the space between panels of you see him this like he's like two-thirds of a page and with lion cat and they're huge and they're cool looking and there's all this stuff with the coloring that kind of they're they're hazy a little bit and then it cuts to um like the close-up of him dragging on the cigarette and then the next one the anybody home And, and what this is to me is this element of like it's introducing this guy who's cool he's collected and no matter how well you cast somebody no matter how well you shoot it it's three panels and it does all the work of a harrison ford in the 80s um that and clint eastwood in the 70s (laughs) clint eastwood in this absolutely all that stuff in three panels and i think you'd have to do this is the kind of thing in my mind i see someone doing a really cool whole episode on a character to make them like here's the one that focuses on the will so we kind of sell who he is like you need the hour like that special episode of a season you know how they do that they'll break out with a side character and i feel like you need that whole hour in television to do what they do in three panels and and i and i know i can picture the people like you can see the translation in your head because we've seen enough and it and like it's just it it doesn't leap from the page at all and but it also it's not and it's not because it's limited on the page it's because of how rich it is on the page that's a pretty that's a pretty cool accomplishment because even having just like watched uh the the new venom movie recently there's all sorts of wild like stuff and there's cool art out there of like venom and carnage and symbiotes and all this stuff like fighting but then you know it's a cgi gobbledygook you can translate that stuff um but here there's so much more and and it works on the page so well and I like that it can't. I just, yeah, don't translate it. Yeah, challenge accepted. No, don't ever do it. Just keep it here because it's so good. And it's a testament to the power of the medium, which is just very cool. So all that triggered by you saying the word medium. Sorry. 
Well, and uh, I mean, speaking of the will, like you're right. In three panels, they establish like you're immediately like, I think I like this dude, mm-hmm. but like there's also the implication of, uh, I, I think pre like right before that they imply that you're about to get introduced to characters that are con- contracted to hunt down these two people that just had a child that yeah. you you know you were immediately attached to like oh these these are our heroes this is their family oh here's this cool dude oh wait he's hunting them down like so you you kind of don't want to like him but then like he he's meeting up with this this person who's uh hiring him and use this creature to kind of vet him and he immediately calls them out on it He's like, so you're you're telling me you had me kill this this creature just to prove something to you? Like, I, I don't have time for your nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. that's bullshit. And, yeah. and it's so complex. And I, I mean, not to get, but it's it's life. It's one of the things that he's he's that they've been able to do with this series. It's crazy and wild as it is is create these characters that are likable and also unlikable at any point in time um and i mean you'll see that as you as you go along like every with the exception of maybe hazel because uh, she's a child for all of it but every single character becomes you know at one time like you're like oh God, I don't like this, which from my understanding is is very much the the um, relationship people had with the Game of Thrones books. I mm-hmm. didn't read them, yeah. but um, I did watch the show, but that's a whole other thing. Um, so uh, I'll probably use that comparison a lot, but only because that that's what I've heard people talk about with those books Yeah, is you go from like, Oh, I like this character. Oh, I hate this character. Oh, Oh God, this character's dead now, you know? So, um, yeah, the will is such a good character. I'm so excited to always excited to talk about him. And lion cat is probably one of the greatest fictional creations of all time. (laughs) (laughs) So, to take it a step out, I agree with the the Game of Thrones comparison, and also what Game of Thrones is is very elemental, and and I think that's what this book is because you know people throw the word Shakespearean around a lot. I'm very guilty of it. I watch the show Succession, and almost every week I'm like Shakespeare, like, like I'm just like it's people throw that around. But what that really is is elemental. It's elemental storytelling, and that's what Shakespeare did in his time. Romeo and Juliet is obviously what comes to mind with the beginning of Saga. Um, in one page, um, when they're introducing sort of the the, the narrative uh, overarching kind of like history, uh, you get the, the two planets or the planet and the moon. And I'm going to just read this really quick. So it says, this is Landfall, largest planet in the galaxy and also my mother's home. This is Hazel's narrative or narration kind of handwritten out. Um, and then down next to a moon. And it's one and only satellite is Reef, my father's native moon. So parents mother from landfall which is huge on the page this huge planet um and the largest planet in the galaxy in fact um and then the father's native moon small and and being dwarfed by the planet and then this final line on the same page if there was ever a time these two got along nobody remembers it like 
Shakespeare is Shakespeare, but there's like a whole lot of preamble to like really set up the Montagues and the Capulets, and this is a real simple. (laughs) (laughs) Big giant planet, tiny moon. We've already seen them, and they look different. He's got horns. She's got wings. They 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 just visually they look. You can tell they're different species of some sort. Um, and and then you see this, and you're like, okay, wow, they're from vastly different places. Um, we've seen some magic and some uh, different things, and like kind of incompetent, kind of putting the pieces together. But in one page, it's like all the Romeo and Juliet baggage for um for our parent characters in one page. And that, but but it's, it's it becomes very elemental immediately. It's that elemental, timeless kind of storytelling. That that there's that whole thing where they say there's like only X amount of actual stories in the world, and we just make different versions of them or alter them, right? And that's yep. and that and that's fine. I don't have any issue with that theory. It's fascinating to me because the the fun is the variation, right? Music's how many pop songs have you ever listened to and liked? But the, really, there's so many things that's so similar. They're all taken from each other. But it's a new version. It's a new thing, and it's fun, and it's enjoyable. And in this case, he's taken this elemental Romeo and Juliet thing, gotten it to its core, and then just exploded it like a nuclear bomb in every direction. That's what it feels like. And just just, yeah. just in this first issue. Yeah, it, it's it's so perfect. And I, I it is kind of the benefit of the visual comic book visuals, um, specifically comic books, because I don't even feel like you could do this with with movies or television um not in any kind of substantial way but having the like here's the big planet here's the little moon and and writing it out that way um it it just it is the perfect representation like you were talking about the will this is something they would have spent an entire hour on in a tv series explaining all of this backstory on these two things and you know some of that will come but like what you need to know is here's where she's from here's where he's from these two places didn't get along turns out that you know at at some point that i think they do establish in the first issue right that like he was a prisoner because he gave himself up um as a conscientious objector yes um, he refused to fight which he refuses to to lift the sword to cut the umbilical cord he tries tries to do it with his teeth um <laughs> so funny it's a very so side note because i feel like if our listeners are going to listen to this and know where we're coming from they, they just learned some stuff about your comic book kind of you've read this many times and you'll learn more about logan's comic book uh, knowledge and the perspective he's coming from as we go along um but also i just had a it's my second child just a few months ago um and so from when we're recording this i guess he's he's not even three months old and and so the idea like i cut the cord and that's still tough with like scissors <laughs> And I'm like, dude, don't do that. Don't do that. That's that's not the way to go. It's, it's such a. I had a very funny reaction to the birthing scene and the whole thing. And um, I, I, so I was going to ask you that. And we kind of jumped past that opening scene. But as someone who's just had a child and has previously had a child, do you find that to be pretty accurate? So, so yes and no, um, that we were fortunate enough not to be alone uh, in, in having the child. So we had help and we had, especially this time, we had a fantastic midwife with us. And so she was very like, we had a coach kind of like getting us through it. Um, and, and she was really cool and helpful and like really like laid back, but also like not missing a beat. And so it's, but I did, I'd forgotten because it had been, oh man, I read 
the issues that I've read, which I only I'll tell you at some point when I know I don't know how many issues I've read, but when we get past that point, I'll let you know. But it's been years since I've read any of it. So I did not remember that it started this way. So immediately I was like chuckling. <laughs> yeah, I mean it starts with her on the page screaming like, Am I shitting? It feels uh-huh. like I'm shitting. <laughs> and that and that is and and, and it is funny because I remember the midwife saying, It's gonna feel like you're you're pooping, but you're not at the moment. And then she but that at the moment is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um and so and, and so, it, it's gonna come. It's just not happening right now. <laughs> but in that moment I'm like, Vaughn either has or knows people who has kids. <laughs> Like, like, like this is such people, this is the kind of thing people don't talk about and you don't have to spend a whole chapter about that kind of thing to like, but that line lets you know, like, oh, we're in it with these people. Like this is, this is, this is real, even though it's so fantastic. Um, and that's just so fun to me. So no, yeah, I immediately was just chuckling because it felt so weirdly familiar. <laughs> um, it's, and it's such a good like start and, and it's very jarring um, even for somebody who'd read comics for a long time, opening with that is very jarring. You know, <laughs> you're like, what? What am I reading? <laughs> well, it's also this is such a this medium um, stereotypically is a male medium, and and to have the birth like that's a very female experience, and your dude friends typically don't tell you that that's what happens in birth. It's the the females who've had babies who will mention things like that. And so there's a perspective that is brought to the storytelling that we're not used to because stereotypically it's geared a different direction. And it's not, I don't actually think this book is overly macho or overly feminine. I think it's kind of this great amalgamation of all sorts of perspectives, which is part of the strength of this first issue to me, because you've got both the husband and the wife and the, even the, the some of the male characters, they're not all just macho aggro dudes and whatever, well, like the- Him the, specifically, like he, out, out of the gate, he's like, I'm not gonna use a sword. And she's like, oh, but I, I have this. Like, <laughs> I'm not going down without a fight. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And so I so I love all that. So to me, like immediately, I was just like, this is it, it is kind of cool to come back to it after so many years and a different perspective. The last several years have been pretty transformative for how pop culture looks at a lot of issues. Um, and, you know, it's nothing's perfect and nothing's ever going to be perfect. But a lot of stuff has been changed. And I'm looking at this going, this is a book well ahead of its time. Okay, quick technical difficulty, but we're back. Um, so we were saying uh, that the um, the the book itself is so it feels so ahead of its time. Um, they came out the first issue in March 2012, um, which to me, I mean, it predates. That was ten years ago. It, wow, you know what? That's really bizarre. I didn't even consider like this. Okay, so. I think of things in the last 20 years as pre-2016 and post-2016. Read into that whatever you want to. Um, and and so I thought, oh, that's four years before 2016. And then you said it's 10 years ago and my whole like heart dropped. <laughs> so that's pre and post, Ezra? 
Uh, no, Ezra's 2015. Um, uh, okay. There was a sea change in our culture oh. in 2016. Ah. Um, and so, uh, but, but the big thing with that, though, is a lot of stuff happened in that time period. Um, and, and so specifically, the Me Too movement is something I want to point at, um, because um, not to get into any of the, uh, of the issues brought up by that or, or anything like that, but the sort of the ramifications to the positive um, where... Uh, representation in movies and and TV shows and books and things like that, or and maybe not books. I feel like books that was doing a, a, a better job of things because it's you know it's easier. It's just words on a page, right? But um, but I feel like a lot of series um, uh, were catering towards this movement post this movement beginning and taking hold of the culture in 2016, um, and I, I think Saga did this. All the stuff that they were like that that has come and been manufactured that did it so naturally four years earlier. Um, the X Men is a book. So I have a, a friend who uh, is gay, and he talks to me a lot about how he doesn't like the retconning of a character to then be gay because he's like, I've read this character literally my whole life for he's older than us, so for for forty years um, plus I, I've read this character and now he's gay. Like, I don't think, like, I don't, I would rather just make a new character. Like, that's, that would feel represented. So he was not happy with the Iceman. Specifically (laughs) very unhappy about that. Very unhappy. And, and so, and that's, you know, and that's different because there's going to be different takes. He does not represent all gay people, right? So, like, I'm not trying to get into that. Uh, but but that is there's the, he felt there's a manufactured element to that, um, and I can see where that can come from. I can see where that argument can come from. And what I love about Saga and any new series that is fresh is that it gets to own uh, all of its storytelling and isn't beholden to any history it can begin. But but not only did it create this interesting uh, history and world and, and and group of characters in issue one um, that is totally new, but it was ahead of its time by four or five years by having all of this really cool um, gender flex stuff that that where people are doing things that the stereotype says they wouldn't do. But the thing that we all love, and and I would I would love your thoughts on this. That's all. Stop talking. But my the thing that I feel that we love about comics um, is is people doing cool, extraordinary stuff with human pathos to to for us to connect with. And you don't lose any of that by making the the wife the one with the the gun and and the the husband the pacifist. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think about that? Like, why? Like, do you think that's part of why you like comic books? And do you think this is sort of it's not losing any of that with these gender flips yeah uh i mean very very much so um for a while in the 90s comics were kind of exactly what the movies were in the 80s and i do like my 90s like giant guns and pouches comic books but (laughs) (laughs) cable i I mean cable favorite favorite character but i also love that like if you are a cable fan, you can follow that character going from like the dude who travels from the past that you saw in Deadpool two to stop his future from happening to him transforming into this like kind of uh, messianic figure who's like, wait, this is not how you do that. You don't do it with guns. You do it by talking to people. So, and the characters change a few more times since then, but that is 
what I like about comics is that you can start flipping those stories. You can start out that way or you can, you know, kind of like, oh, wait, no, we need to change this character and do that without um, kind of over a period of time so that, you know, you're going to lose people, but you're not going to lose the right people. So, um, yeah, but that's the fun of comics. And to tack on to, like, what you're saying about how it's ahead of its time, um, also not to get too political, but you do see the beginnings in the first issue, and uh, it will become more prevalent as it goes, but you do see this, like, weird class war that, you know, you get the, the feeling of it. Uh, when you meet like Prince Robot and like there's all these like hints dropped about like like why they're going after these people and how like the war has been outsourced to other people like the the people that actually hate each other haven't really been fighting this war for quite a while you know they just outsource it to other groups of people so that it then spread throughout the galaxy and it's very very strange and probably the first time i read it i was like that is such a weird concept to me cut to 10 years later and like eyes open to a lot of things that happen in the world that we think uh, that we just don't even give second thought to and Mm -hmm. if you quote follow the money you're like holy shit (laughs) like what what is going on like what you think is going on is not ever really going on (laughs) well it's like the the war in the middle east you know we we have been fighting that forever we we were like not taking away from 9-11 but that was not that was an attack um there was no fighting back like that happened and then we left our place sort of like the beginning like they talk about the beginning of their planetary and moon war it happened at home then they we took it away all the way somewhere else but really we may be fighting there or have been fighting there um but also there's a lot of other countries who are supplying guns and trying to uh, manipulate money and trying to and it's like who are we really fighting and why are we and we're doing it there because it's not here and so when they talk about the planet uh, like fighting on other planets, fighting their battles on other planets, like a game of risk, basically. It, it and like God, if if we were interplanetary, this is absolutely what we would be doing. Like, don't mess up my neighborhood and my suburbs. So let's go up for to to you know Mars and let's fight this battle out there, right? And leave the dead behind and not mess up my day, because um, yep. I got stuff to stream on Netflix. And so <laughs> and like so I it feel so there is something that's like it's. It's the best, in my mind, some of the best things about science fiction is you take exactly what we're doing now and then you just multiply it by infinity. And so so it is absolutely what's happening, um, but it's so otherworldly that it's very easy to not catch that and not look for it. Um, but there's something in your mind that's working on your brain and it's, and it's, and it's talking about things that and you're engaging and you might not know you're engaging with it. And that's a good thing too. Like that's part of the fun of any sort of art. It's making you, your brain work in a different way and engage with stuff. Maybe you wouldn't normally engage with. I don't think it's going to turn anyone into an activist, but it might make you think differently. And, and sometimes 
that's a huge win. I, I, knowing where this book goes at times, I think if there were a comic book that could turn somebody into an activist, it might be this book. Um, <laughs> and and I, I feel like we're going to wind up just bringing up Game of Thrones and Star Wars kind of ad nauseum. So I know we have already, but uh, like star wars was that for me as well when i was a kid it was one thing and the older i got the the different like i approached it differently and saw things like a lot of people hated the prequels and i get it they're not great movies but like when you look at it from a like a strictly kind of political standpoint holy shit! <laughs> like he's saying something He's not saying it well, but he's saying something, you know. Yeah, and I think he's saying it simply, that. and that's and simply, it's sort of like a. Um, I mean, I hate. Uh, no, I'm doing. I'm going in. Um, so it's sort of like a nursery rhyme, right? You're a, a grown man. I'm a grown man. We're not really listening to nursery rhymes, right? And on our ride around town or right. on our Spotify top fifty or whatever it is at the end of the year, um, it, it's mine might show up because of the kids, but um, but. It's simple. It does the job. It tells the story. It has an effect. It does what it's supposed to do. And I would compare what the prequels are doing to a nursery rhyme. And it's it's simplified. It's at its core. It's 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 clean. Or even though it is, there's some complicated stuff. It's really not that complicated. Um, it gets kind of hit with all the taxation stuff, but it's not that complicated. Um, but it's as simple. It's a nursery rhyme for Star Wars that goes back. That's talking about some really heady stuff. It's, I mean, it's impressive. Yeah. I don't know what the rest. Anyway, let's don't get into Star Wars. Let's just wait for Star Wars. <laughs> I, me, I think I think Saga does it much much better. Which it's hard to see that with just the first issue, but like I think it does that much better and does this whole um, like not everybody is as simple and like boiled down to this thing that you want to like label them with and. So you got to watch yourself. And, and you know, I, I'll give uh, – so what I see in this book, if and just sort of my last sort of thought today on this, the Star Wars and Saga comparison is that a lot of people talk about like the prequels like it's for – it's like it's – there's so many childish elements and it's like – and then there's the whole Star Wars is for kids that Lucas is kind of – that's like a thing from, from Lucasfilm and, and Dave Filoni and they all like Star Wars is for kids um, and like don't forget that. And and so like that, but but there's this element of the fandom wanting like an adult version, and like you really don't because I, I'll be honest, I watched like the Batman trailer, the new movie trailer with my six year old, and I'm like, my six year old's not watching this, like it's not happening, like he will not have this Batman for quite some time, um, and and so that's what it looks like to have a Batman for adults like that grows up with you and 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 then leaves an audience behind um and that's not a bad thing it's just it's different star wars though is for kids and and you, you don't expect to like age out your watching star wars with your kids right that's not what you really really actually want no matter what you say so the prequels didn't grow up right but saga what it is uh and grow up by I mean like ratings and content and like you know, she gets pregnant, but you're never like seeing like, oh, that's where she got pregnant. Like it's not like that. It's just you don't see that stuff. Uh, Padme, that's who I'm mentioning. But um, 
But Saga can say, okay, we're doing our own thing. So you like all this stuff about intergalactic storytelling and and creatures and some magic and some science and all this stuff. You like all this stuff. Um, we can do it for adults. We can, and we're not alienating anybody because we're starting from ground zero. It is also the beauty of this medium that you can come in at one. Number one, this is the beginning, and you can write all your rules. So it's working in all the same elements of Star Wars, but it can be for adults. And that's a good thing. Like, this is, it works so well here. Um, Star Wars never needed to be for just adults, right? It didn't need to grow up and stay only with adults. It needed to be for everybody. And Saga is is clearly from the first page for adults. And and as the book goes on, uh, there's, you know, um, Prince Robot's our TV head guy, right? Yes. So Prince Robot's introduction is clearly for adults. And the, <laughs> yes. the, the front cover, while not, in my opinion, like it's not a, like offensive, there's nothing wrong with like breastfeeding and whatnot, but like the front cover is a mission statement. Like this is not a book um, that that's for your your eight-year-old, right? Um, and, and it's just saying like this, is, we're, we're mature adults here and we're going to have a mature adult story, um, even with some humor in there. <laughs> and so, because um, that's, we mature adults make funny jokes too. So I, I like that it. it takes all those elements and then it can be adult and it's not cheap and it's not uh, sacrificing anything because they didn't have something before that it, it redirects from. So Batman, I have a limit. What's the pathway my kid can take with Batman? There's a very finite limit and then it hits a roadblock and we're done for a while. Saga, it says we'll start here, and if you start here, no matter where you go, you can keep going with it. That's a pretty cool thing. I like it. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, you mentioned the Prince Robot introduction, and I don't know why, but it made me think, I wonder if this is not the first or only comic book, but maybe the most popular comic book to uh, – tackle very briefly the subject of erectile dysfunction in a not joking way so um because that's what happened that is a good question for our listeners send us your ed thoughts he's introduced having sex with his his wife and uh, having just come back from war um, well, war, he was on a battlefield looking at people, um, right. but obviously it affected him and he cannot complete his task because he has way too much on his mind. And, you know, and then he gets pulled back into it to, to chase down these two people that he's like, why do we care? Like, it, no, <laughs> this is dumb. Just kill him, you know? And uh, yeah, Prince, Prince Robot is... All the characters become so much more complex, but his story is one that that is so fascinating to me. Him and the Will. So I'm excited to talk about both of them. Awesome. Um, So uh, let's talk about the art real quick, uh, or for a moment. Um, I want to get this out of the way, because otherwise we'll be mentioning it every week for the first uh, six uh, episodes or so. Um, But... Here's a list of awards that Fiona Staples, who I knew nothing about prior to this book, um, uh, has won for the first six issues. Um, She won a Hugo Award for Best Graphic Story, Eisner Awards for uh, Best New Series, which, of course, is with Brian K. Vaughn. So any of these that are story as well, it's uh, Brian K. Vaughn included. Uh, Best Continuing Series, uh, the Harvey Awards for Best Artist, Best Colorist, Best New Series, um, Best Continuing Slash Limited Series, Best Issue Slash Story, 
She won the British Fantasy Award for Best Comic Slash Graphic Novel, um, nominated for a lot of cover awards, um, and this is all just in the first run of issues. Um, it's insane. The, <laughs> like, the, the co- so the one thing, I, and I do have them digitally, but I wish I had them actually you know physical individual copies the one thing about this book is individual issues are the covers are hands down like every cover is so so good that they're all just frameable you know Mm -hmm. and like i i've seen the cover image for issue 56 which is their issue back coming up so many times and every time i'm just like i might have to buy that just to have that cover and it's not anything like outside the norm it's just she's so good and yeah no i I, yeah it's amazing because i have two of them and and but that but the primary color or the big bright bold color and then this stark image in the front and it's just such a cool contrast they're they're very they're they're very well they're not just well drawn they're well designed and and i think that we can you can think of probably off the top of your head oh, a thousand comic book covers where you're like the art's really cool but it's just like thrown on there um and it's just stuff kind of looking at you um and this is so so the design doesn't match up with the quality of the artwork right or the art's okay but the design elevates it you know um, right. and in this case she's got everything she's got the great art and the great design and and it's just it's fantastic um, yeah i wonder if she has a background in uh not just art but but uh i, I guess design as well like creating that that kind of, I don't know enough about it to to really talk about it, but creating yeah. that kind of thing where it's like, oh, I'm drawn to this and I'm not sure why. I'll take a look because there's a, it's it's like a graphic design slash art kind of combo you're talking about. Um, and art obviously has a lot of design in it, but I, but what you're I think you're talking about is like this ba- potentially a graphic design background because cover work is graphic design in a huge way plus the art. It's not always just the art. Um, so I'll do some research and look around and see what I can find about her because I uh, unfortunately I, I came to this issue with uh, her art's really, really good. <laughs> Like that's my big, <laughs> that's my big deep thought. Um, and but I was amazed when I looked up and saw her awards, um, just how many things. Not not amazed, uh, but impressed. Like wow, good for her. Like the like that's. I'm not amazed because it, it, it's totally deserving. Um, and it's just beautiful. The whole book is beautiful. Um, I'm curious. Do you have? Um, I have a favorite page. This is a setup question I did not prepare you for. Um, or do you have a favorite page or panel or moment in uh, uh, the last- series? Uh, the series or the this issue? I, I, I'm sorry, this issue. Oh, okay, I was like the series. Yeah, don't, I jump don't, would, don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. Um, this issue, it, it it really is the last page. Uh, um, it is hopeful and heartbreaking all at the same time. I, I would have said that not not having read all the issues, but it, it's so like encapsulating. You know, it, it's just this this family with her brief narration, you know, like saying, here's where we started and where we're going to go is not always good. 
So I, I love that choice. Um, I have a different one. So this is cool because that's a great choice and it's a great page. It's a great panel. Um, mine is um, in my book, the big, the big blue collected edition is what I'm calling it. Um, it's page uh, 44 and 45. It's the, the two page spread at the uncanny bridge. Yes. Uh, gosh, where there's like a giant turtle dinosaur and like a floating war of the world's cockroach ship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, you've got the, you can see all the little guys like with their magic blasters and there's like flying creatures and the bridge is exploded. There's some, there's an element of the story where they're trying to get across this bridge to get where they're going to the, is the, the forest of rockets, I think is what it's called. Um, and air or the rocket force, something like that, but they're trying to get, and they need to get across this bridge that he doesn't think exists. They find the bridge, but what feels like, sort of the theme of of what I remember from the book, but it seems like a, a good precursor to the whole series is they found where they need to go and the bridge is broken and all hell has broken loose. But so, the, so there's like this great story theme uh, and visual element to the whole thing because it's just so epic in scope and it's fun and it's imaginative like it's not just serious and crazy and like oh yeah war that's not really my style but it, it it's very fun and imaginative because i mean that turtle dinosaur thing is just awesome and i yeah I, and like it's also like kind of a dragon it's like shooting fire out of its mouth and like um and in the foreground we have our characters just kind of like looking down over this mess and it feels like that's our series and a big splash page and i think that potentially pairing it with what you just said about the the final page of the issue maybe those two big splashes that's our whole series right there in two pages yeah i I think you're right Uh, that that splash page is amazing a hundred percent i'm a sucker for one man it, it encapsulates so much about what the what they want to do with the book like it's going to be like like it's going to be hopeful and heartbreaking because like oh shit like it is I think it is the rocket ship forest like oh we found the rocket ship forest it's right there the bridge we need to get there they blew up so I don't know how we're going to get there but and then there's just this war everywhere and it, it's it is technology and magic and crazy creatures and like just everything all on one page like you're saying and it, it is it is a really good splash page so man i, I i'm excited about this project that we're doing we we our technical issue uh, delayed us a day to finish up this recording just for some behind the scenes we're just always going to be honest on this thing with how we do things and have for years um but uh, we were texting because I got waylaid by some house repair stuff, um, and we were texting about what we recorded. And like, I'm so excited about this project, and I'm so excited to talk about this comic series um, and 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 continue with this issue by issue breakdown. Um, I found I've been going through all my comics. I got like this big pile of all my Brian K. Vaughn stuff. Um, like, so eventually, like to get into some of that stuff too. To, to, to take it because this isn't just a saga podcast it's just sort of that's our that's our constant for the for the series uh, to reference lost a show that brian Kavon worked on and that we'll talk about at some point as well um it, it's um it's such a fun first issue it's there's so much to say there's so it's such a good preamble and it's amazing that it feels so epic in scope. It feels like so much has happened, but it also feels like not that much has happened. We've basically just been introduced around this this uh, galaxy, and it's just issue one. So it's like this huge thing, but it's only issue one. It makes me excited to get to issue two. Um, Logan, I'm going to be like real serious about not reading ahead. Um, cause me I, too. 
I, 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 you've got the experience, so you know what's coming, and that's that's great. But it's been so long since I read the first maybe graphic novel or two that I like I have very little memory. Um, and so, and plus, like I've had a kid since I have two kids since then. My brain is like half those memories <laughs> are just gone. And so I'm I'm remaking these memories, so it's it's really fun to dive in. Um, but this is. For me, I, I think that what we could do at the end of each episode is just sort of give our overall thoughts to the issue and kind of where we're at in the story. Um, and I've done a little bit of that. And so I just want to say, like, my, my bigger final thoughts is that this is one of the most exciting first issues of a comic book I've ever read. Uh, and and I am so pumped to go on this journey. Um, I'm so nervous because I feel like anything could happen to anybody. And I feel like Vaughn's history with other series I've read of his, Runaways and Why the Last Man um, and, and different things, like is going to make me invest in these people. And I'm afraid stuff is not going to go well. <laughs> and so um, I'm nervous. You've mentioned the Game of Thrones thing, which also makes me like go, oh, yeah, red flags. Um, but But what I love in storytelling is not – keeping all my people and all my characters that I care about the same. That's sitcom. That's fun. That's nice. That's comforting. But that's not what I like from like the stuff I end up loving. And, and I feel like I'm starting a love affair with a new series. Like I'm really pumped to go on this journey. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first issue? Even if you have thoughts from like when you read it back the first time originally and like net and coming back to it now, what are your thoughts overall on the first issue? So I, I vividly remember reading uh, the first trade because um, the first time I read it was in trade form. And the first page, I was just like, yeah, I don't know if this is for me. Like, it, it, it's just I've never been one for, although my favorite series is Preacher, but I've <laughs> never been one for like overtly like just crass stuff, which is weird because I'm kind of a uh, I'm kind of a crass person so um i like my superhero comics but as i read on i was like okay well this is going somewhere and i'm invested enough um i as i've aged in the last well i probably started about two years into the series so the last eight years reading and rereading and rereading um especially in the last six years um I, I've I was telling somebody the other day, so j just straight up, I've had cancer twice in the last six years. I have buried uh, two uncles, um, an aunt, uh, two grandparents, um, a cousin, um, and my twin brother. Um, all people that I was relatively close to, obviously my brother, um, but all really, really close to. And so before that yes i think i would have it would have been like yeah the, but it's all really intense but now looking at it and just having lived the last six years of my life life is not it's not the same over and over. it's not a sitcom it, it's just fucking not it is like losing things that you care about it is like making choices that you cannot go back from. You know, it's horrible things happening happening to you and trying to figure out how to keep going. And that's what this book is. And it, it's it might be the best series of all time. I don't know because we're not done with it yet. But 
you know, it, it, it may very well be by the time we're done reading it. it it's certainly up there now. Um, and yeah, th- this issue is an absolute perfect uh, first issue. I don't think I would have said that eight years ago, but certainly now. Um, and, and it's funny, I think I gave up after the first trade. I was like, uh, yeah, it's okay, but like it's a lot of up and down. I really think what I when I got back into Saga was the first the first cancer year, uh, six and a half years ago. Um, so it's almost seven years. Uh, I was going through chemo for eight months. I was not working, and I had an extraordinary amount of free time like i had a lot of free time um i'm sure you remember i wrote a I lot do. of stuff very very well months. i feel um, like you're uh, like talking to the to the audience but yes i very very well remember daily podcasts yep. and <laughs> writing all the time it's so much stuff going on um and, and it feels weird to say it's the best eight months of my life because i had cancer and i was going through <laughs> chemo but it's probably the best eight months of my life you were and alive part of that, was reading like nonstop, and I I did read Saga, um, and I, I think we podcasted about it. Not you and I. I think me and Adam were were talking about. I it definitely the, heard. Of, I I was thinking about this as we were recording yesterday. I I remember something with you and you talking about it, and me at least listening for sure. Yeah. Um. So I I think it was in that time where I like really fell in love with the series. Um, and read it, uh, you know, three or four times through since then. But this first issue, like, it, it tells you everything you need to know. Um, I, I would say if you're not in it from the first issue, you're probably not going to want to be in it. But I wasn't fully in it from the first issue. It took, um, it took going back to it. So I can see if somebody were to open it and be like, yeah, I don't know, man. She's talking about shitting on the first page. I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I've said all the things I need to say about issue one, I think, at this point. Um, I'm excited for this journey and this podcast and, and taking, uh, you know, issue by issue and getting into other uh, Brian K. Vaughn works. Um, and, and that's going to be really fun. I, I have a feeling that we're going to get to like the end of a storyline because that's what we've sort of tentatively planned is that when we finish like one essential like graphic novel like the paperback collection we'll take a little break and and read something in between and then come back to saga so like read and by reads like do one episode sort of of you know maybe like doctor strange the oath like the collected like, something like that um and then come back to saga um and that could all change but i have a feeling there are going to be times where i'm like uh can we do the next episode like, right now <laughs> um because because what I, my my memory is that i i think i started saga came out around the time right after i got married um and and we were financially like i just couldn't like get, read comic books much um and i think i bought saga i, I was thinking about this a lot i think i bought saga because I intended to read the series and then that's why I have the first two. And then at that point I couldn't afford to buy comics for a while and it just fell behind. Um, and I never even opened those two. And I, I did end up reading like the first graphic novel and then, and I really liked it. And, but it was just like, it was so hard to do everything and it, life stuff was happening. So I'm so excited to kind of come back to this with fresh eyes and the ability to keep going and, and read it and enjoy it. Um, I've got all the, the big, 
books already. I'm going to be picking up the monthly issues once they start back. Um, I'm just not, I'm not going to miss a beat. Um, so I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to do this. Um, so listeners out there, I guess what I would say, um, if you would like to reach out to us, um, I'm on Twitter, um, at film dispenser, like a Pez dispenser, but for movies, film dispenser. Um, and that's probably the best way to get me. My email address is like a bunch of other stuff. And then right now you might get lost in like spam. So just reach out there if you if you have listened to this and you like it and you want to have some thoughts. My my, my DMs are open, I think is what you're supposed to say. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but they will be closed if you take, if you abuse me. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, just send me, send, send a message out. If you have something for uh, the show, Logan, I don't know if you have a contact that you check regularly, but we could use that sort of as the inbox or the show if you'd like. Um, I mean, not really. Uh, we have the X-Wing Files email address that nobody ever emails us, but it would be weird to xwingfiles at gmail.com. <laughs> but, yeah, like uh, for some reason you're not on Twitter, like maybe you could do that as a backup, but you're probably, if you're listening to this, you probably have some access to Twitter, so you can do that. Um, you can also leave us a review wherever you have found this podcast. Um, let people know you liked it. That's how other people will find it. And then maybe send us um, yeah, questions or thoughts or anything you have about Vaughn's work or the series itself, and you'll know what issues are, that we're covering. So if you have I'm something... I would say keep it spoiler free because Spencer is not caught up. So if you are a saga reader and you know what happens, maybe don't don't put that in any message. Um, that would not be cool. So yeah, and and so but so yeah, so kind of keep it in mind that you know listen, you figure out what issue we're at, and if you have questions about what, or thoughts about what we just talked about, that's great. If you have something like you know like hey, you listen to this one, and you know we're going to do issue two next, and you want to say like. Here's something for issue two. Just like put it issue two question or whatever, and I won't read it until I read issue two, um, that kind of thing. And so, um, but we'll we'll make it work. Um, this is sort of how we do things anyway. We'll figure it out. Um, this is this is really cool. I'm excited to do it. It's a good project. Um, I think our end goal. I may have said this. I've said it to Logan for sure. Our end goal is to just be the greatest podcast ever about Brian K. Vaughn until he comes on, and then we'll just shut it all down. Um, <laughs> we'll be like we did it. We accomplished it. We're still going to read it, but we're done now. We've talked to him, and that's happy. Um, He's going to be on on like episode eight, and we're just going to be like, sorry guys, <laughs> we're done. I'm going to put an asterisk and say, but we'll get Fiona Staples first, so that when he comes on. <laughs> I can still be honest and live up to our word, and then we can shut it down. But let's talk to both of them. That would be a wonderful uh, goal uh, to have. So that, that's going to be my unofficial goal. Let's get Brian K. Vaughn on Brian K. Pod, and let's also talk to Fiona Staples because, man, I just want I, now I want to talk to her about her covers. Just just talk about her covers. Or let her rephrase. Talk to us about her covers. Right. Yeah, and it's and you know just to add to the Fiona Staples talk, I know we didn't talk a lot about the art. Um, and we're kind of like heaping praise on Brian K. Vaughn, but he, you mentioned this, he does in turn, um, not take the path that most of the early comic book writers did. He very, very much goes into this with a co-creative spirit and co-creative, like, like outpouring, like when he talks about it publicly, he does not, you know, uh, I don't want to say he doesn't stand with it, um, but, uh, he he doesn't you know it's not well when I was doing it, he he talks about it in the we like he knows it's a collaborative process and you know um, good on him and I, I guess we should probably try to be better about that but it is Brian K pod so uh, we're going to talk a lot about him 
No, yeah, I, and I have um, the one of the problems I had with, with some interviews is they do a lot of stuff together, but a lot of the stuff I found was later in the series. So like even after like the first year, especially, and and so I was trying to avoid spoilers. So I expect that just naturally with what I'm doing behind the scenes, she'll start coming up more because a lot of stuff I had access to with her just would spoil stuff. And so I so I stayed away. It was a lot of preview stuff with him. Um, and I think very clearly his work to, to kind of amplify that partnership shifted the focus to them talking about this. But at that point, it's like six issues, eight issues, 12 issues in. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to. It's conflicting with my goal here. So, <laughs> um, so we will talk definitely more about her. And I think it'll just come in more naturally as we get further into the series. Um, but I do have some, I'm going to do some research on her because that, that whole design and artist question i'm now curious about her past so i bet uh episode two we'll be talking more about fiona staples but man this book with anybody else would be still very interesting to read but i don't know there's no way it would be as interesting to look at he he makes the right choices with his artistic partners like hands down like every single time i've not read something of his that i could imagine anyone else illustrating and yeah I, I i'm i'm also excited to talk about all his other stuff and i i think i'm gonna hold you to the like after about six episodes we'll jump into i like the doctor strange thing because that movie will be getting ready to come out about that time so yeah no that's and i, I have the graphic novel behind me i've ordered some, a bunch of stuff some stuff on ebay and some stuff on in stock trades i've got like a whole, huge pile of his either graphic novels i've got a single issues um i have a big brian k vaughn problem where i have issue one and then not the other stuff and then i get the trade <laughs> like i have the first issue of the oath uh the doctor strange book but then i got the trade and i had the first issue of we stand on guard but then i got the trade oh my <laughs> so, god i forgot about we stand on guard oh never read it never read so it. good so, man it's so good. Uh, so yeah, so we we got a lot of stuff that we're going to be able. To, I think we'll for the for the fun uh, that we'll have. I think we'll need to break it up just so that we're always uh, talking about him because it's um the saga is this is the series that's the series, but the the breaks in between um, will be everything else. So it's going to be a good time. I'm excited for it. Um, well, cool. So this has been the first episode of Brian K. Pod. Uh, welcome to this new journey with us. Thank you for uh, coming along. If you've joined us on the first episode, if somehow this is a time capsule and you've come back like two years in a row, we apologize for all the things we have not refined yet and will over time. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you, you know, I'm just saying like that happened. How many times are you going back to a podcast you like now and you're like, let's go listen from the beginning. And then you're like, oh. I don't know. You, you've been hearing me podcast since I started podcasting. I don't think I've gotten any better. <laughs> well, I just mean like formatting and stuff. You're great at this and I'm great at this to a degree. Like we just have fun and that's what people, you know, hopefully enjoy. And if you don't, then, you know, go listen to something else. <laughs> so um, anyway, this is great. Um, excited. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, I don't have a big sign off. So uh, have, a, have a great week. Uh, we'll see you next episode. Yeah, we should come up with a good sign-off. But yeah, we'll see you. I'm going to leave episode. it to you. I feel like I always have to come up with it. That's all you. Uh, okay, I'll figure something out. <laughs>